This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. All right, welcome in to another edition of the Game Plan on the Sooner Sports Podcast. My name is Chris Plank. If you missed any of the exciting sports action from the weekend, we have you covered on the Monday Morning Refresher. Simply search Sooner Radio Network on iTunes or through SoundCloud, search Sooner Radio Network. On today's episode of the Game Plan, we catch back up with the voice of the Sooners, Toby Rowland, and you heard from Pete Hughes. You've heard the excitement from the weekend that was for Sooner Baseball in their series win over Baylor. Let's hear from the voice, Toby Rowland, who had the call this weekend and is getting set for a big one coming up against Texas Tech on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So last year was a pretty wild time for OU basketball. We'll reminisce and remember that as well, too, coming up later on the podcast with Jessica Cootie. But I wanted to start with some kudos you know, so many times we uh, we are caught up so much in covering everything sports-related that something as cool as what happened on campus this morning can go right over our heads. But the University of Oklahoma hosted Al Roker this morning on the Today Show for what I believe is being called the Roker-thon. Al Roker travels all across the country and tries to set different Guinness books of world records. We set two uh, for the largest man-made weather symbols. I, I guess it's kind of like a human emoji, but it, it was awesome. And I'm not really someone who gets too fired up about weather forecasters. You know, they do a great job, and I'm thankful for that. But to see the passion for Al Roker coming to town, to see the execution, to see the energy, all this one, you had to meet at 445 in the morning. So just a big kudo. Had a boy and a, a game ball to everyone that was involved in really showcasing the University of Oklahoma in such a positive and such an amazing light. I thought it was I thought it was great, and everyone that was involved in putting it together, kudos to you. Now, with that said, we got to get back to sports, right? We got to talk about what's going on, and we finally have a chance to catch back up with the voice of the Sooners, Toby Rowland, to talk about this incredible weekend they had for the OU baseball team. That was a pretty awesome performance for a team that doesn't have its ace at full strength right now. Yeah, no, I agree with you. To not have two-thirds of your starting weekend rotation, um, Jake Irvin and Kyle Tyler, and to not have your cleanup hitter in Austin O'Brien and still win two of three at Baylor was very impressive this weekend. I, I, I was a little deflating when we arrived at the park on Sunday and found out that Jake wasn't going to go, and I get it. I'm glad they're, you know, in the long term, he's going to be a big cog for them this year, and they need him to be healthy down the stretch. So I certainly agree with the decision to just double make sure he's okay. But at the same time, the series is on the line. And, um, you know, that's a big spot for Nathan Wiles, and and, uh, Baylor's throwing the guy that's beaten Texas A&M this year and shut down West Virginia last weekend. So it looks you know, like a pretty big uphill climb at that point. But uh, Wiles and Connor Barry and certainly J.B. Olsen were, uh, were lights out to get a shutout, and uh, they got just enough to win it. I think I kind of saw I was witness to the emergence of Wiles during that Buffalo series where uh-huh. he, he came in on that Thursday game. And, again, I, I don't know if you could ever say the game was in peril, Toby, 
But there were runners at second and third, and I think it was about a four-run game with nobody out. And he pitched the Sooners right out of the jam and then never looked back. It's That's been a kid who it's been pretty fun to kind of watch him develop, and that was huge yesterday with what he provided this team. I think you're absolutely right. That's the game in which he gained the trust for sure of the coaching staff, and then they used him as a starter out in Georgia, and he was uh, six shutout innings. They used him as a starter in that Bedlam game, and he was okay. Right. But that might have kind of – might have, in hindsight, been good that he got that bedlam start out of the way so that when he went down to Waco, it wasn't the first time he had seen a Big 12 team. And um, it's going to be fascinating going forward now to see what they do, for example, this weekend. If everybody is healthy, you know, which three guys do you go with? Because Perez was really good again. Hanson's been great for him this year. Dylan Grove struggled, but he's obviously one of their most electric arms. Uh, and then you got Big Jake, so it's it's good problems. Do you have a favorite story when it comes to racing a drop-dead time with baseball, or is that something that's never really affected you because you've been with basketball when they travel a lot early in the season? Um, yeah, I guess there's been some home games, right? The, the Atlanta, on a, on a road trip, ah, yes. we usually don't have it in Big 12 play with the exception of West Virginia in conference play uh, because you bus everywhere. It's only a factor if you've got an airplane to catch. So most of the early season road trips, you're right, I'm with basketball. Uh, this year in Atlanta was is by far my favorite slash least favorite story um, <laughs> of trying to catch an airplane. But, yeah, it hasn't really been – it's, it's an odd thing, though, that happens in college baseball that certainly doesn't happen in any other sport where there are ties. There are times where they just say, you know what, we're out of time and we're <laughs> going to have to go our separate ways. <laughs> and, and you're like, you got to be kidding me. Because it's been a factor. Uh, there's a couple of times. I remember once in the Sonny, Sonny Galloway era, it happened once a couple of years ago with one of Pete's teams, where there was a tie and you got to the end of the year, and they're a half game behind somebody right. in the conference standings, and you're like, gum, I wish they could have finished that game. We came close yesterday. We came really close with softball. Storm's moving in, huh? Well, it had nothing to do with that. Now, that played a factor in the post-game autograph session. Had we played one more inning, <laughs> it would have played a factor because a UAB game started at 11 yesterday. UAB had a drop-dead time at 1 o'clock. I mean, and I, based on the text that I had received, and I don't know if you guys got to hear the Patty Gasso interview, yeah. but, yeah, we were we were done at 1 o'clock. It didn't matter where we were, what was going on. UAB was off to the airport. Well, we this, this game was just so one-sided, and you finished the first inning, and it was a 45-minute first inning. And then you get, the, and then they put what was it seven nine on the board, whatever it was in the second inning, and you're looking up, and we're through two innings in a softball game, and it's already been an hour and ten minutes, and like there is no way that this game is going to get done in time. Sooners weren't throwing the ball around the infield; they were trying to do everything they can to speed it up. We know this drop dead time is one o'clock. They're going to win the game, right? I mean, that's that's uh-huh. they're going to win. It's fifteen to zero, but but you lose everything if you don't get to five. So we're racing to 5. We're racing to 1 o'clock. There's clouds moving in. We get to the bottom, or top of the fifth inning, which would make it official. And 
we have an argument with a play, a batter, if he was, if she was hit with a ball out of the box. You're looking at the clock. It's like 12.56, and it's 12.57. Then they get a base runner, and it's 12.58, and they get a strikeout to end the game at 12.58. Toby, as soon as the last out is registered, there's a PA announcement, and I was talking to Laura G., who's the facilities person. They got a warning of a lightning strike within eight miles. So had there been one more batter, we would have had to clear the field. The game wouldn't have been official, and we would have hit 1 o'clock, and the stats wouldn't have counted from this game. How crazy is that? You're telling me if it was 15 nothing after 4, oh, you wouldn't have got credit for the win? That's the way I understood. That's the way I understood how it went down yesterday. That's ridiculous. It has to go 5 to be an official game. Uh, and wow. a- again, again, I – I kind of, in watching the UAB coaches, I don't think that they were going to push it too much. I think they kind of knew that we were racing to get three outs. But still, it makes for a better story to think that (laughs) (laughs) that nothing would have been official. Yeah. It it does irritate me when we get to Sunday, though, and you're in that situation because one of the beautiful things about baseball is there's no clock. Right, right. Well, all of a sudden on Sunday, there's a clock. Yep. Uh, sometimes, sometimes there's a clock, and you're like, well, they got to finish by this time, or or uh, we're going to have to call the game. I hate that. Pretty hate crazy, that. isn't it? Good stuff. Yep. Let's think about this. You lose your top two players, hypothetically, to graduation. I mean, Sheldon Noisy, without a doubt, was the best player on this team last year. And then at least you lost one of your most hyped in Alec Hansen to, uh, and I say graduation, I just mean to the Major League Baseball draft. And then you go into Baylor and you lose your top two pitchers who are just battling little minor ailments. And you beat a top 10 team in the RPI, two out of three, on their home field. And you shut them out on Sunday. That is beyond impressive. Great start for OU Baseball. Big one this weekend against Texas Tech. Well, I guess today's episode is featuring and prominently showcasing our two regulars. So from Toby Rowland, we go to our weekly conversation, if you will, with Jessica Cootie, who had memories on her mind as we watched the Final Four play out. And obviously you can't help but feel good for a guy like Dana Altman, knowing his history with Lon Kruger, but also in that same vein, you can't help but look back with some fond memories of where we were last year at this time with OU Hoops. Just because, like, for me and somebody who grew up, like, in a basketball family and kind of, you know, uh, following along closely um, Oklahoma basketball my whole life, like, that was just something, that was just a bucket list item for me, is to be able to go and cover the Final Four and I got that opportunity, and not only that, not only did I get to cover the Final Four, but with perhaps one of the most fun basketball teams you'll ever get to be around. You know, I mean, and and the way that I think what was even more special is that I was kind of there throughout the whole journey. You know, I mean, from the outside looking in, I got to cover them from the moment when, you know, again, they were uh, freshmen, and then when they – that's something that they had worked towards. They were just devastated when they got beat out in the Sweet 16. So just to kind of be a part and, and follow along with that progression was just something, yeah, I'll never forget when and, – and the way that they played in that in – that, um, in Anaheim last year against Texas A&M and, and against uh, Oregon, I mean, you thought they were going to go win the national title at that point. Um, they were They were just – it was just a pretty special weekend this this time a year ago. 
Now we fast forward a year later, and it's kind of interesting because one of our Big 12 brethren is watching as a lot of its former coaches have quite a bit of success to see Frank Martin end up making the Final Four after he spent some time at Kansas State. Dana Altman as well, too. You know, Lon Kruger there last year. But I, I, I would imagine of all the guys that felt pretty good for Dana Altman, Lon Kruger had to be pretty high on that list, don't you think? Oh, there is absolutely no doubt about it. Um, they are really close friends. And, you know, you hear a lot of people say that they just um, – there's not – there's not another Lon Kruger. Well, probably the closest that you're going to get is Dana Altman. I mean, he is, he is, I, I kind of, I was, we were talking about this the other night, Chad McKee and I, and, um, you know, he's, he's like Lon Kruger 2.0. I mean, he is, he's as nice. Um, I mean, he's, he's just the nicest guy ever. He came in here just to give you a little story. Um, last year, Oklahoma just beat him to go to the final four. And, you know, it kind of takes a while to kind of, um, get the team, they cut down the net, then they, um, you know, kind of take pictures. And so, um, you know, they come, when they get into the locker room, then they start celebrating again. I mean, they're just like, there's water bottles going everywhere. They're celebrating. And Coach Altman walks in and um, shakes every single person's hand in the locker room and waits and talks to Buddy. And, you know, I asked Coach Kruger about it after, and he's like, I mean, that does not surprise me one bit. That's just every bit of, of who he is. He is just a guy that um, is is as good as, as they come. Um, and so I think it's really special to see. And, and Coach Altman also is one that kind of goes to Coach Kruger's um, Coaches versus Cancer Golf Classic every year. So does Frank Martin. So it's pretty cool to see, you know, those are, I know, two of his, his uh, buddies that are in the Final Four. And Coach Kruger is so well-liked across all of college basketball. He's got a lot of friends. But I know it's got to be special for him to, to see those two um, make it in advance to, to the, again, the pinnacle. So I know he's, he's definitely got to be proud of those two. Well, you mentioned – Altman especially. Yeah, he, he and Dan are tight. You mentioned Coach Kruger and what he does in the community. Jess, it was kind of a story that m- might have flown under the radar a bit this weekend. But I thought it was really cool to see that he was going to be honored by the National Association of Basketball Coaches uh, with an award that's given to those who have served the game, long and outstanding service – that just it, it kind of shows you what overall Lon Kruger means to basketball, not just to Dane Altman and Frank Martin and these guys that have kind of come through the coaching ranks, but to basketball as a whole to see him getting an award like that. Absolutely. I mean, so deserving. Uh, he just, again, he just does it the right way, you know, and I, I just don't think that can ever um, be stated enough is, is how um, – he, he runs his program the right way. And, you know, his kids are peak recruits, good quality kids. I mean, again, how many people you could probably count on two hands how many Division One college basketball coaches mm-hmm. open up their practice every single day. It's one thing to have a practice every, you know, every so often, but every single day. I mean, that just is unheard of. And you'll, I mean, you'll hear lots of people say that. Um, Fran Fraschilla is one who was a former coach who James was on the set on the, on the team. And that's what he said. I mean, I'd never would have thought about doing that. That would never cross my mind to ever do that. So, um, you know, that, and, and then just, again, um, he's just so well-respected and, and how he's um, turned around, you know, five different programs to the sweet 16 and, and win. And, um, you know, you just, it's or five different programs to the, to the tournament and then win. 
And so it's just kind of the way that he's just, again, continued to bring um, positive no matter where he goes, but then also um, how he's turned around so many programs. And, um, guy, you just, he, you can't say enough good things about how much he's respected, um, how much he does things the right way. And then just again, you can ask anybody in the, on the planet and they'll say the same things about how he just does it the right way and how, how much he's respected. Jess, I don't know if you've had a chance to really go in depth yet, but I know we got a lot of cool videos from practice up online right now at Soonersports.tv. How are you feeling overall about kind of the vibe you're getting from spring practice right now? You know, to be honest with you, I still have yet to be out there. Um, I was going to go Saturday and had a different work thing come up. So I still haven't been out there, but I am going out there this week, so I'll be able to, to better um, better talk about it. But um, Matt Archibald did go out there, and uh, they interviewed some of the um, well, the two cornerbacks, uh, Jordan Parker and Jordan Thomas, and um, kind of talking about the young guys and, and um, you know, kind of how they're developing. And, again, that's kind of what we talked about last week and how – crucial this is the spring with uh you know so many young young players in early um it's just this is a kind of a critical time so um that's kind of i think probably the first week kind of probably what you saw is a lot of kind of getting the guys acclimated to to um oklahoma football i'm really excited to see these young guys and really that's that's kind of what spring ball is all about right getting to see guys that either a or or semester enrollees, or didn't play much last year. I'm real intrigued, Jess, to see how Ricky DeBerry adjusts to being an inside linebacker with all the the hype surrounding him when he came in, and he hasn't been able to to make an impact yet on the field. I think that's a big opportunity for him. And listen, you and I are just what a month removed from complete and total signing day madness. You know, whenever everything was done by 8:30 in the morning. Because everyone had been signed, sealed, and delivered for the most part. So I'm really pumped to see some of these young guys and how they develop. Absolutely. Um, and, and I think you've kind of heard of so far is that they've been kind of as advertised. They've yeah. kind of stepped in and um, have uh, been able to kind of adjust pretty quickly. They're, they're talented. and um, So, yeah, I'm, I'm really anxious to see, especially like in spring game, um, you know, when, when uh, it's kind of more – front of a crowd and kind of see how they get to put on the show a little bit because again and a lot of times you don't see a lot of the big name guys going going out um and and playing a lot of snaps in the spring game so that's when you really kind of get to see a little glimpse of the future so um yeah i think it's going to be exciting to see um because there's nine of them you know i mean it's crazy that there's nine of them through freshmen but then you've got some redshirt freshmen that i know that they've been really excited about that um, you know, they're getting to see, and then Rodney Anderson getting back out there again. Again, that's a guy that for three years now we've been hearing big things from, and unfortunately because of his injuries, we haven't been able to see. So I'm anxious to hopefully see him stay healthy and see what he can do as well. Jess, I know that you uh, didn't get a chance to go to Waco, and I know that it was kind of tough with your schedule and planning on things to get a lot of softball in this weekend. But uh, for the two Diamond Sports, man, what a weekend for the Sooner softball team to sweep four games, then win yesterday 15-0. to zero. And then for Pete Hughes and that baseball team to go down on the road and win two of three. That was a, a pretty big weekend for both OU baseball and softball. Huge, huge. Hey, and I was going to ask you, too, I was mm-hmm. looking I was looking over um, Carl's recap, and I cannot believe, it's just mind-blowing to me that Paige Parker is 10-5. and 5. I, know, I right? mean, you just think that she, you know, I mean, she comes out and 
most of the time she's pretty dominant, but, you know, when she when she does pick up a loss, normally it's by one run. So you just don't – it doesn't sink in that she has five losses, you know. But um, I think, uh, again, yeah – you got to think, Coach Gasso was probably pretty happy with the way the bat came alive yesterday, oh. right? Well, and they were smart. They were smart at the plate. You know, they didn't chase bad pitches. I think uh, UAB had like maybe eight or nine walks. But let, look, can I circle back to Paige? It's interesting because there have been times this year where she has been that dominant pitcher that we saw in the in the tournament last year. I think I think you and I both saw a game like that. What was it was it Washington that she pitched and she was just dominant. But uh, Jess, there's been one mistake that has been made in its cost. I mean, think about this. In 20 uh, what what inning total? She's up to 98 innings so far this season. 98 innings. She's allowed 15 home runs. You know, she allowed 21 home runs in the entire season last year. And here we are I guess you could say if you play through the College World Series right about the midway point, and she's already given 15 home runs. I mean, it's right around uh, one, a little bit less. Well, it, it would if you looked at all of her starts, it's one per start. She started 14 games. So that's kind of been a little bit of an issue, I think, with Paige this year. But I think you know this, and, and we've seen it a lot. It, it's something she'll improve on and get better on as the season goes on. Yeah, and it's something that I've been saying from the get-go is, a lot of those games, again, maybe she gave up one run, yeah. two runs, but the bats didn't, you know, get going for the Sooners. So, um, you know, I feel like once, hopefully, again, and, and you and I have talked about this, you know, it was almost Big 12 play before we really saw the bats get going consistently from top to bottom for this team a year ago. And, um, you know, it, most of the time, with this team, with this lineup, with the bats in this lineup, giving up one or two runs normally is good enough. So, um, yeah, I think we're going to continue to see her improve. And then also, she was the, you know, one of the most talked about pitchers of the year last year and, you know, had all the Player of the Year awards and the All-Americans. And she's got to be a pitcher that, when as a hitter, you're coming up and you just, there's, there's nothing more than you, as a competitor, mm-hmm. you want to hit her. So she's, again, kind of like what was talked about with, um, you know, this team. They're, they're getting everybody's best. And, um, you know, obviously she has to adjust, and that's one thing that, that you've heard them say is that it's it's typically a, a, a uncharacteristic mistake on Paige's part. part. But um, I think she'll get that workout. She's too good and too smart and, and too much of a veteran not to. What you got going on this week, Jess? Any features we need to keep an eye open for? Yeah, I got Briley Ware coming up. Oh, that's going to be awesome. Cool story. Yeah. Um, uh, he's leading the team, obviously, in, in a percent, hitting percentage uh, baseball, sophomore. Uh, he didn't wasn't recruited at all out of high school and then came out of junior college and was the first player to win the Triple Crown in 30 years last year in, in junior college. So, um but he grew up a lifelong Sooner fan, so it's pretty cool to hear him talk about some of the stories that he has about coming to games. Um, so some pretty fun pictures of him back in the day that you'll be able to see. But he's just he's, – he's so um, – does not want to talk about himself at all. He's one of – you know, here he is playing extremely well and has been playing extremely well since he kind of – got on the scene and and he does not want to talk about his success at all <laughs> so um you know he's just a 
great kid and, and kind of has a cool story. So be on the lookout for that. I'm hoping to do a couple of things with football. I want to do a fun feature uh, with Paige Parker speaking of. So hopefully we'll be able to get kind of those in the works this week. There you go. Another episode of the game plan right here on the Sooner Sports Podcast. Hey, coming up on the tailgate later this week, we'll go in-depth on OU Baseball, you you heard Jess talk about the Briley Ware feature. We're going to try to get Briley on the podcast. Uh, we'll talk a little more sooner softball, see if we can't catch up with the other page. We talk so much about Paige Parker. Maybe a conversation with Paige Lowry coming up later this week. And we've reached out to hopefully talk with Yul Moldauer as we get set for a huge weekend in gymnastics as the women's gymnastics team gets set for the NCAA Regional. Until then, everyone have a great week. We'll have a complete recap as well later in the week on the University of Oklahoma softball team's trip to Denton to take on North Texas as they return to the site of history. Last trip to North Texas, Lauren Chamberlain hit her record-breaking career home run. And so, obviously, a lot of good memories going back down to Ditton. That'll be Tuesday night right uh, around 6 o'clock with the first pitch. We'll be on the network with a 545 pregame show. So, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. Don't forget, we'll have another episode called The Tailgate coming up later this week. And until then, enjoy all the action in Boomer Sooner, everybody. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the air.